Oh, hey, it's you. Come on in. Have a seat. I'm glad you're here. No, seriously, I, I really am. Make yourself at home. Welcome to ASI. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode uh, 13, season 6 of the podcast. And what you're listening to now is the band Voodoo with the song Secrets. going to talk a little bit about secrets on this episode, but not, not the way you might think, all right? And this is not, I'm not here to shame you, make you feel bad because you're keeping secrets. Most of us keep secrets, right? Let's face it, most of us have some kind of secret, you know. But uh, what I'm talking about today is more of the subconscious um, attitude towards secrets and why some religious folks have a harder road ahead of them. I've touched on this in a few episodes in the past, but I feel like and I articulate it a little better because of some of the things that I've been going through lately um, with another religious institution. And I know, yes, I haven't had much luck with working to connect with the Christian community as a Christian guy, all right? Still consider myself a Christian, more of a Christian mystic today, a uh, spiritual anarchist, right? See Jesus. Jesus is more, um, he's there, he's not real obedient towards his authority figures uh, in the, quote, church, right? In the um, religious establishment or popular theology of his day and that encourages me and that's why i'm still a christian today honestly uh i can't shake jesus you know you can run from him and you turn around he's right he's right there that love love is a has a name his name is christ and i could talk philosophy on that until I'm blue in the face. But the topic being secrets, I really wanted to talk about this because I think that part of this attitude of keeping things in the dark, right, which is where the dark things thrive, you know, like mold, they thrive in the dark. They do best in the dark. Exposing things in the light is something that's brought up over and over again in religious texts or in the Bible. But in this show, talking about secrets, it's not maybe some of the most obvious ways that you would think about it, right? Like, uh, you know, a guy who's struggling with pornography or someone who's having an affair, right? Like, that's that coming out in the light is... Yeah, it can be devastating. I've done some shows called The Bomb Going Off because um, it's like that, you know, shrapnels everywhere. And that's a big part of season six, um, shedding intimacy disorder. 
because we have to go through the bombs going off, don't we? If we're going to really be naked out in the open, not just physically naked, heart level naked with our partner or significant other. And these relational things are fairly obvious when it comes to secrets, right? And then there's uh, institutional or, or secrets that are conspired, right? Those are not as deeply intimate, but they are very sticky. And they can actually shape our identity socially. And really studying and thinking on why does this take such a strong root in Christian families? Because a family is probably the most intimate social structure that we can have. And so getting into some of my uh, my history... Uh, those of you who've listened to the show for a while know that I was uh, I would attended a church called uh, AC3, which was a part of my kind of reconversion. Right, I grew up Christian uh, when I figured, and just through the theology that I was taught growing up, that I couldn't be good enough for this God. Right. Like God is good. God loves the good little children. Right. Like I'm like, like I'm not, I'm not good. And it wasn't for lack of trying. You know, I tried to be good as hard as I could. Tried over and over again. I'd catch myself in a lie, you know, or or something. I knew I I was self-aware even as a young kid. Not no, you know, be good. Like how, how a lot of this teaching about sin and repentance and right like just stop doing the bad stuff and start doing the good stuff right go and sin no more like how do you do that right how how do you do that that's great sounds great awesome now how do i do that that's been a big part of uh my life over the years when it comes to addiction compulsive behavior um Going from alcohol at 16, I, I drank myself to death. I was probably a full-blown alcoholic when I was 15 years old. Um, at uh, 17, 18, 19, got into amphetamines, crack cocaine, methamphetamine. I smoked weed like a chimney. I don't smoke pot at all today. Um, I still drink a little, uh, but I have self-control in that area where I didn't used to. So I'm fairly controversial in the recovery world. I have more of a heavy mental health approach to addiction. Um, being that I that I do have more self-control in that area than I did before. I don't see alcohol as an idol. And if people don't drink and have been through recovery, and I'm cool with that. Just don't idolize it. I guess that's where I would, I would ask questions, you know. If somebody says, well, if I have one drink, I'm going to go off the deep end and get a hooker and go to Vegas and uh, leave my family. And that's that fear can be idolatrous. I would challenge that fear. Um, don't drink. If you don't want to drink, that's great. But don't say that, you know, it has some kind of supernatural power over you because the power that we give these things is just that we we hand over and a lot of this is subconscious and that's some of what I wanted to talk about today um, we don't even know we're doing it we, we don't know you know giving yourself over to an addiction like it sounds fun I won't get addicted 
sometimes a family member. I've had a guest uh, a few shows ago uh, who said talked about that in his family, feeling like this Christian thing was a lie because his family was supposed to have the gene. And here he could have a few drinks and he wasn't addicted or it didn't get his hooks in him. It didn't like lasso him in and pull him into the right. So he went called BS on that. Um, maybe there's another family secret. Like people use a substance like alcohol to cope. Uh, it's a coping mechanism. Same with pornography. Same with the progression that can happen with uh compulsive behavior right when you're a porn addict like myself you know uh going from drugs and and that was part of my part of my pathology to use that word was some of this hiding and some of this like the right christian god saved me, saved Russ Shaw's soul and, and saved him from alcohol and drugs. And and now he's a better boy, right? Thank you, Jesus. And I still say that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm not dead, right? I, I had an alcohol overdose once. I was awake for three days on meth before. I felt my heart just about jump out of my chest. Um. So me being free from that is a big deal. Uh, this August, this month actually will be 30 years. 1988 was the last time I did, um, methamphetamine, crack cocaine. So that's a big deal. You know, I'm not poo pooing that at all, but the fact that I still had stuff lurking in the dark, I still had demons, so to speak, that I had not dealt with. Uh, because I learned this practice of pretend like everything's fine. The pornography addiction that I had, the pornography compulsive behavior, whatever fucking buzzword you want to use nowadays, sometimes that frustrates me. People want to uh, diminish it by these words like labels. Um, it took me, I, I, I didn't want to do it anymore and I kept doing it. All right. There's, it, it took over part of my will. So that's where I'm going to say addiction. Okay. Yes, this season is about breaking or shedding intimacy disorder. And there's a lot of modern psychology that says stop calling it sex addiction. Start calling it intimacy disorder. I get it. And that's what I'm touching on today. Because some of the deeper, darker stuff we don't want to expose out in the light. And sometimes when someone is exposed in the light, um, a lot of us want to throw rocks at that person or whatever. I mean, something like pedophilia, that's one thing. Um, this stuff in the news about Bill Hybels and Willow Creek is another. Um, so, yeah, you know, I meet these guys, Dan and Rick, who are part of a Willow Creek church, and they were instrumental in, in my recovery with the sex stuff. They were instrumental in getting me to confess um, and stop scamming my wife about how bad it really got and how much damage I really had. And some of you, you know, it's weird. I feel compelled to say this, and some of it is 
like there's this little voice in the back of my head that is calling bullshit, right? Like you're just saying that so people will feel bad or whatever. Like why don't you just sit in the fucked upness of what you did, Russ? You cheated on your wife habitually with prostitutes for years. And yeah, that's true. Um, but it wasn't until I sat in office with Dan Hazen, a pastor at this Willow Creek church called AC3 in Marysville, that I was able to confess and talk about the fact that I had been... Actually, I called Rick first. I think I called him on the phone. And I heard this woman's testimony about childhood sexual assault. I never admitted to anyone that that had happened to me until I was 38 years old. And I got sober, right? Like, that's what everyone's selling out there. Like, get sober. Come to this facility and you can get sober. Uh, Sobriety cells. Dealing with your demons. Going into that dark cavern of admitting and having to... Like, you know, I didn't forget any of it. Some of that John and Cash song, like, hurt, right? I remember everything. Now I have, you know, psychologically I have missing memories, but somewhere in my body there's a record of what happened to me. And um, it wasn't until I could start to talk with it about that with those two men that I started seeing real recovery from this. Real long-term recovery from this. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Talking to a counselor. Talking to a therapist. um, EMDR. Uh, This is difficult work. But it's a lot easier to, to say, just get sober. Right? Just go get sober. Tell me what steps I need to do to, to have this porn thing go away. Um... And that brings me to to the current situation with with Willow Creek Church. And this is like Mars Hill. So we leave this AC3 church. My wife and I left that church after I had confessed all my stuff. Some of the people at the church didn't understand. And I get that. The leadership treated my wife and I really well. My wife just couldn't be in community anymore at that church because of her own feelings about what I had confessed and what everybody knew, right? Um, it, doing this podcast, I'm, I'm, I don't hide things. I mean, I mean, a group, men's group at the church. Did I, you know, sure. Everything's secret in the group. Um, but I'm not, you know, this is how bad it got me sheltering that I wasn't, you know, it could have been handled better, you know, I guess looking back. Did I shout it from the rooftops that I was a, an adulterer? No. But things like that, when you talk about it, especially like I do here on a podcast, um, it's hard to hide from your social network of people. And to be fair to Willow Creek Church or to Willow Creek, to fucking AC3. I say swear words when I get passionate, just so you know. There's some church people listening that are like, ooh, he swears. Like, yeah, you know, I grew up a, a, a junkie on the streets. I'm, I'm not Mr. I'm still, right? Uh, I'll throw that out there. AC3, um, it's not their fault that some people at the church 
gossip, all right? Or told my wife, if you're going to stay married to that guy, I don't know if I can be your friend anymore, right? And, and those people don't go to the church anymore today. Um, this was, what, 12 years ago, 11 years ago that that confession came out? Uh, so we left that church and went to Mars Hill Church in Seattle, right? Mark Driscoll. You know, that story, Google it. That church doesn't exist anymore. Mark Driscoll, you know, at first was like this Howard Stern kind of loud, like a lot like me. <laughs> you know, I was really attracted to Mark. He, He's a Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist, but I could agree enough with Mark and, and his view of things that I could be there, right? I could be in community with those folks. And a lot of them had tattoos and played in bands and were artists. And and, and they talked about Jesus and they loved, you know, godly stuff. And they had dinners and hung out. And, and, it, and it, was, it felt like community to me. It really did until Mark, um, in the dark, right, was a bully to people. Um, was not upfront with how money was spent at the church, sheltering, hiding things, um, misleading people, it, really a, a bully in relationships, tried to become the dictator of the church. The whole thing doesn't exist anymore. Long story short, the church folded in 2014 because uh, Mark just quit, said God told him to. Which I'm not really doubting, you know. I think a god of sorts, Mark created, um, told him to quit. I think God was his ego. Uh, but but people get there, right? Um, people get to a place where they think they got things figured out and people should follow them, yet they're hiding, yet they're skirting issues, yet they don't want to be exposed in the light, and they fight it with everything they've got. And, and I'll, I'll admit, I fought it too for years. I get it. Like, it's a lot easier to be to look good or to be neat and holy, right, on the surface. But deep down, like, you can talk to your Christian friends or your religious friends or your Catholic friends or whoever it is and, and, and be a certain person, but underneath... The, your bullshit knows you, right? It knows you. Um, Jesus said the truth will set you free. And I really believe that. The truth has cleansed me way more than trying to be good or trying to be holy. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, Romans, uh, I'll keep my flaws in the light. You know, I'll, I'll rejoice when people talk ill of me. Um, like that's hard, right? But he kind of lands in the plane with, as for me, I'll keep my flaws in the light. And that's part of my philosophy today. It doesn't look pretty. Um, but if I'm going to keep telling the truth, it's going to keep me honest on the surface. And so that makes me interesting, I guess. That's one way you could say it in my social interactions. I tend to agitate some people, especially religious folks. Um, and listen, I've been one who's kind of bucked authority most of my life. And I'll be honest, some of that has to do with my trust radar. Okay. 
So when people just kind of give themselves over to some authoritarian construct, um, it has me scratching my head a little. Uh, and that leads us to Willow Creek again. So what happened to Willow Creek, Russ? You may be asking yourself if you don't know. Uh, in April, uh, the the big guy, Bill Hybels, who started this multi-million dollar uh, organization known as Willow Creek, um, was called out for sexually harassing women in his church, in his organization, right? Um, there was nine claims that came out against him. One woman recanted. Um, the Ortbergs, who've written some books, and any of you who know Christian culture have read some books or have been evangelical, and you you may have heard of, of John Ortberg. Uh, they are a part of this. They He actually said something publicly not too long after the Chicago Tribune article came out. So, yes, it was the Chicago Tribune that broke this story. It wasn't uh, the organization Willow Creek going, hey, some something bad's going on. Maybe we should, you know, do our own uh, calling this guy out. No, no, it was a newspaper. Like people had to go, and that's usually what happens in some of these systems and institutions, right? They go to the news because the news is usually a safe place. Like they have a story and the, the people aren't listening. People in authority aren't listening because you're threatening the structure of authority. And that's what's going on with... So the church that I've been going to, AC3 in Marysville, I started attending again after Mars Hill fell. Um, When my mom passed away... So my mom uh, passed away in December of 2016. And, you know, I was kind of attending that church back and forth. And still after the fall of Mars Hill was, you know, really... Uh, you know, not sold on institutional church, right? But these guys, they really treated me like family when my mom passed. You know, Rick's talking about doing a memorial and, you know, all the, like he's going to speak and we're going to open up the, the sanctuary and, and we'll have it there and people can read posters in. You have three or four hours, you know, and and I said, Rick, I don't, I don't have any money, man. Like, I don't have the money to pay for this kind of thing. And Ron doesn't have money. My stepfather, like, well, I don't know what we're going to pay for this, dude. And he's like, Russ, I don't want your money. That's Rick, man. That was Rick Thiessen. He's like, I don't, I'm not interested in your money. Like, your mom was part of our family here. Your mom was part of our family here. And that's when I started going back, you know. And like, yeah. And I don't agree with a lot of what they teach there. If I if I'm honest, I'm I'm probably more orthodox in my theology today as a Christian, although I'm not into the bells and smells and pageantry. I still don't get people wearing robes and hats and some of that stuff is really weird for me. But I I do like the very old understanding of atonement and things like that. So not to get off topic, but that's that's more of where I land theologically. I'm not so much a, a, an evangelical, um, right, which is a lot of Willow's stuff. But I still love the people there. Like, these are my people. These are my people. They're my family. Uh, feels like family. <sighs> Until this whole thing happens with Bill Hybels, which has strained my relationship with family, you know? 
Um, so Hybels and the leadership obviously had, had stuff in the dark, right? Um, nine women, okay, come out. Nine, you know, if it's one, yeah, we should pay attention. We should listen to that person. If it's two, maybe do an investigation. Nine, all right? That's usually the tip of the iceberg. Do you know how hard it is for some of these women to come forward, especially in a church where you're really pressured to make things look pretty on the surface, man. You're really pressured to like, we're doing the gospel thing and we live the life of, of Jesus living, you know, and when something like this is going on from someone that powerful, man, there is a lot of pressure to stay quiet. And so the bravery of these eight women who stuck with it to say enough, to say enough, you know, and to speak their truth. The truth will set you free, Jesus said, you know, and that's that's interpreted a lot of different ways. But man, the truth has, has, has shaped and molded me. I think that's a lot of theology. I mean, we're in the Bible a couple of t- different times where it talks about, you know, he's the potter and I am the clay and, and God is shaping and molding us. And part of that shaping and molding process is, is the truth, man. It's coming out in the light. It's revealing dark things that you know are going to be controversial or they're going to make you uncomfortable once they come out in the light and we usher them out in the light anyway. Um, this is what happened at Mars Hill. This is what happening is happening at Willow Creek now. And they're doing this global leadership summit, right? Um, I, I haven't been attending AC3 since they decided that they're going to go ahead and have the global leadership summit. So Willow Creek does this every year. It's celebrating their leadership. It's teaching leadership. It's admonishing leadership, Christian leadership, you know. Uh, it's a big conference and this thing that happened, this show is called attitudes of sexual integrity. All right. This is an attitude of integrity to say, you know what? Maybe we should cancel this thing this year because our leadership is obviously lacking in integrity. And listen, when I say that, that's not some kind of accusation, all right? Integrity is not perfection. Integrity simply means that if an airplane has integrity, then it can fly from here to L.A., right? Uh, A small little Cessna plane, it has the integrity to fly from here, the Seattle area to, to maybe Eastern Washington, right? This is, this is the definition of integrity. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity simply says, this is what we are. And that is what you are. When a Cessna says it can fly from here to New York, right? A little, a little one prop, right? Little plane. No, that plane doesn't have the integrity to do that. So that's my point with why would you have this big shindig leadership summit when you just got exposed for not having integrity? Why the blindness? 
around going ahead like why is that the reaction to just go ahead with this leadership summit i find that really curious i'm not trying to be a judgmental jerk over here all right and there's still things going on in the dark being shifted around people are going missing from the website right people who are obviously speaking out or saying something or just just like what happened to mars hill man you know and that's another one the bravery of those folks because some of these it's some of these folks it's their job their job is being threatened they make a living at willow creek being a pastor or youth leader or singer or musician or someone like that and and they don't agree with what the church is doing so you're out man that's not how family is treated that's not how we do family right and I and I still love the guys at AC three. Like I think what they're 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 gonna go ahead and and have one of their uh, these global leadership seminar freaking conferences or whatever it is broadcast from the church, which I strongly disagree with. We had a guest on the other podcast I do with some friends, right? Punk theology, uh, who I actually encouraged to protest my church AC three. He's been really, he's emailed 200 plus churches. He's out there making a difference in this systemic silence that's going on in this place. That's trying to pretend everything's fine when it most obviously is not. So while I love my family, I am, uh, I am in conflict, right? Square in conflict with the people I love. Thank you, Benjamin Wheeler, if you're listening out there, for your diligence on this. And Rick Thiessen, who's been on the show a couple of times uh, in the past. He's the head pastor at, at AC3, the Willow, the Willow Creek Church in Marysville, Washington, I go to. He, uh, he has agreed to be on the show to, to talk about some of this. Again, to be here on ASI. Uh we'll see if that happens you know <laughs> i hope so uh but I, I again you know integrity and protecting women you know bill hybels all these people saying well you know you just hate bill hybels because he's a pervert or whatever man i'm a freaking pervert right like i'm the guy i do this show but the only reason i'm not sexually compulsive anymore is because I've had to live my life in the light and not hide it and not skirt it and not brush it under the rug. I've talked to, you know, what I didn't mention in this show, I was talking with therapists, counselors, um, group, my friends, guys who I trust, who I can let in on the inside, right? Guys who have walk-in rights, you know, you have anybody like that in your life? Something I'll challenge you with in this episode. You know, you have friends that can just walk in your house without knocking. You know, it's summer, at least up here, not in Australia. I know, I get it, right? Are you guys in Australia, summer is CC. It's not summer here, Russ. I know, I digress. Um, people that can just walk in your front door and say, hey, what are you doing, right? Those are people with walk-in rights. They can walk in your house without knocking and you don't get mad at them. Um your heart is kind of like that, right? Does your heart, my friend Jim Henderson uses this analogy, by the way, but does your heart, 
have folks with walk-in rights. Um, I think that's important. I don't know if Bill Hybels ever had that, or he probably wouldn't be in the mess he's in. And that's why this stuff is so important. I love Bill Hybels. I hope that he, he's right now, he's just unrepentant. He's just, uh, what does that word mean? That's kind of Christianese, right? Uh, he says he didn't do anything wrong. He says all these allegations are false. And he didn't pressure women, you know, into coming to his hotel room or uh, getting, you know, taking over Willow Creek with him or, you know, going for, right? Like he's he's saying it's all BS and it's most obviously not, right? For me, nine women, nine people coming against you is, is a big deal and it's usually the tip of the iceberg. So this Willow Creek uh, so-called leadership summit uh, is moving forward. You know, a, a bunch of churches dropped out of it. Um, some very big speakers who were slated, like Denzel Washington, who is going to be speaking at the Global Leadership Summit, has has declined now because of what happened with Bill Hybels. But not just that, but I, I'd like to think it's because of the way the church is handling it. Right. Like, why would you go ahead with a global leadership summit when this is happening with your head dude? And how many other people had to kind of look the other way over the years while this man, you know, did what he did. Right. See, there's something at the foundation of their leadership that's obviously broken. It's not centered in Christ centered in some egotistical power move or right i mean some of this is just social psychology like we were we will protect the system and institution at all costs it's it's subconscious we don't even realize we're doing it half the time and that's why i think it's so dangerous for families and for leadership this gets into families when when hiding and skirting and look at our cool show, you know, it's like, you know, one of these big motivational speaker things, you know, that's 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 what we're doing. We're going to pump leadership when there's other things going on in the dark that we're ignoring. See, this gets duplicated in, in a relational level at a relational level at an attitude level at a behavior level behavior as humans it's monkey see monkey do man we usually do that we see other people do it we do it um, we see a large organization like willow creek move forward with a global leadership summit when they have issues in their foundation that are cracked and broken and leaking and they still Go ahead with their, yeah, it's not a big deal. No, no, it's a big deal. And the reason it's a big deal is because, again, that gets copied in people's families. And when it comes to some really things that really need to be exposed in the light, they don't get exposed in the light because we're, we're habitually hiding things in the dark because we're so pressured to make everything look good up here that, that things rot and decay underneath. And, and 
that's just not good. That's just not that. That's the subconscious secrets that I wanted to talk about here today, and and to hopefully, if that's going on in your life or someone you know, that ushering that out into the the light, exposing a abuse that's happened or is happening. The sooner you do it, the faster these things can heal. That's when healing takes place. When a bomb goes off, sadly, it's not pretty. It's not, you know, it's just not nice. Maybe that's part of Willow's thing or AC3's thing. They just want everything to to be nice up here on the surface. It's got to look nice. It's got to be nice. We'll have a conference and it'll be motivational and that'll be nice. While we subconsciously teach the subconscious subconscious behavior of pretending like things are okay when they're not. That's what that's what I got today, all right? Um Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, um, these are cities in the Bible. Like if you go through the chapters in the New Testament, they're letters usually written by the Apostle Paul to cities. Uh, churches in the cities, uh, okay. Um, to the angel of the church, Revelations 2 talks about this, these letters that are being written to the angel of the church in, 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 in and it's a city. Uh, not some branded religional uh, 501c institutional corporation, all right? It's, it's a city. Um, the church in the Bible is made up of people and relationships, those are the only tangible things that I see me rush out, right? I mean, this is, for me, this is truth, all right? The only tangible things of value in the church, and, and part of why I'm still a Christian, is people and relationships. The Holy Spirit is the the Spirit of God, the Spirit that's in us all, communicating. The Spirit's in a recovery group when people are burying their souls and they hang their ego at the freaking door. The Spirit is alive and moving in that room. I've seen it. I've felt it, not just in recovery groups, but in church. All right? That's tangible. That's real. Um, The ego heavy power structures, secrets and lies. Um, and, and listen, I'm not mad at those people, right? I'm not even mad at some of the leaders that are protecting Bill Hybels because a lot of them, are, are they don't even know what they're doing. Like it's subconscious. Like this is what we do. I've been taught that this is true. I've been taught that this is what we do. Like it's not even conscious. I hope you understand or see that. Um, that's why I think idolatry is so talked about in the Bible, right? Like what's idolatry? It's, it's lifting anything above God or above truth or above love, right? Uh, Worshiping and serving a false idol. The reason it's so sinful to use that word is because it can take us over. And then we don't even realize that we're serving, um, and we're, you know, we're we're just serving and bowing to worshiping something that's destroying us and our family 
something that keeps the secrets, um, the darkness, the cancer growing. Um, as an ex-addict, I know all too well that what we worship and serve does take us over. Systems and institutions do not survive long-term focused scrutinies, right? When people focus in on what's going on, like at Willow Creek, all right? When people take the time to, to, to say, no, this needs to be dealt with, there's the systematic silence that can occur where they just try and shut everyone up. Like, if we can just shut up long enough, this will go away. And you see this in families. Families where someone may be struggling with addiction or compulsive behavior or sexual assault or sexual abuse of a child. We pretend like it's, you know, like it's nothing. Or, or just keep it quiet. This will go away. He'll stop doing that. He'll stop beating you. Women who are abused or by their husbands or men, right? Domestic violence. Oh, stop. I'll stop. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Not only does the behavior need to stop, the person needs to get help because they're subconsciously doing it over and over again. They don't do it because they're just mean. They do it because they have something in them that needs to be healed. All right? And so it's doing a big disservice to people to keep the secrets growing in the dark, um, to keep the institutional systemic silence keeping out the truth keeping out the light keep this stuff in the dark now I hope this is making sense I hope I'm articulating this well I'm not the best speaker in the world I, I realize that but I feel passionately about this um, slow to come around slow to come around I, I was on this Facebook group um, that has to do with this that's going on in Willow. It's about, you know, mining out the truth. And again, the truth is not pretty. And it takes a long time for the folks who are so addicted to keeping stuff in the dark to come around. That's why religious folks, when it comes to sexually compulsive behavior, for example, have usually a harder, longer road to travel. Because first they got to get to the point where it's okay to talk about all the things that are hidden in the closet. You know, a lot of you guys are into this behavior mod stuff and you're counting your days and you're, you know, you got an accountability partner and you're playing tug of war with your demons. When all you got to do is let go of the rope and let them go, let them fall out into the sunlight. I know what I'm saying is hard, man. I've had to do it over and over again and it's 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 freed me up every time it's made me better it's made me a better man so that's that's the show I have today and I love you guys I do mean that sincerely um, Russ at ASI247.org if any of this is impacting you and you want to send me an email privately uh, you can do that. If I don't respond to you, I didn't get your email. So the only way I would not respond back to you is if I did not receive your email. So uh, you can also go to the website, ASI247.org, and you can get a hold of me in different ways there. This stuff is heavy. Um, 
because that need to subconsciously hide, you know, protecting the, the need to pretend, the need to make it look like everything's okay on the surface when it's not. It's okay to not be okay. Uh, and, and it's going to take death, you know, the death of all of the things that have been hidden in the dark. I love this song. It's it's an older song from from the Spider-Man soundtrack. But uh, I have hope. I have hope that, you know, the truth will come out in the light. Vindication will happen. Um, I don't know who the players will still be standing or what moving parts will still be intact, but I have hope. Matthew 5, he talks about being poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed when your hope is dangling on a string. Not destroyed. Not anxiety-ridden. Blessed. I love that. That gives me hope. Later on in that chapter, another loose translation. Blessed are you when you're fired for stepping out in the light and speaking the truth. Blessed. Blessed are the ones who don't got it all together but are willing to walk out into the light anyway. Till next time. Bye. Hope dangles on a string like slow spinning redemption winding in and winding out the shine of it has caught my eye and roped me in so mesmerizing so hypnotizing i am captivated i am vindicated The ASI Podcast is a listener-supported production. You're greatly appreciated financial assistance in keeping the ASI Podcast up and running is the reason it has been in existence this long. But Russ needs more accomplices in delivering this underground message to the masses. You can give one time or be a monthly accomplice to this here pirate radio program. You can do that as a co-producer. Go to ASI247. ORG to learn more. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe.